It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Uh, it's been a joy to have Aaron and Beth in uh, Katya's in my life. Uh, Aaron has been instrumental at two specific moments during our time in Sweden, working with churches and uh, reconciling people uh, to Christ and then to each other uh, that I could call him and get wisdom and uh, just let him be the person who gets to hear everything. Do you have anybody who you can just dump on? I mean, just like, and they're the, they are the people who receive that. That's him, all right? So I'm just so blessed to have him in, in my life. And uh, you didn't need to know that, but I just wanted to let you know what gold you have in your leaders here at the church at Indian Lake. Does, not, does that not move your needle just a little bit? Or it's Labor Day weekend and you checked out entirely? <laughs> Because we just got crickets. There was a tumbleweed that went over here. What happened? No, they're incredible people. Please understand that. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're looking for, everybody. Sorry. I should have led you a little more with that. I apologize. Um, it, it was really cool to be traveling here. I'm from Minnesota. We were traveling from Minneapolis, went to O'Hare. And uh, there was a lady right over here with a cane. I remember you from the flight from O'Hare. Hi. To Nashville. You don't know me from Adam, but I remember that cane, and I was like, hey, it's you. So anyway, it's great to see you here, and we're, we're glad that you're with this community today. Yep, there it is. Um, my family, like you heard, Kati couldn't be here, and my two boys, Ben, his middle name is Skywalker, Benjamin Philip Skywalker's arms. I'm very proud of that. My wife came up with that, <laughs> and I'm proud of that, too. And then also my son, Maximus, and uh, then there's my daughter, Matilda. Thank you for joining me, Matilda. You've put up with a lot because she sees all sides, right? You know, you got to be the same person you are up here or wherever you're at. That's very important. That's very, very, very important. There's no speaking, preaching voice. There is only my voice, and I'm blessed to be able to share that with you today. And there's a lot of trust that gets shared right here today. Um, I want to show you a couple of pictures of what we've been doing in Sweden. You saw some pictures of our living room and then also the youth group that we actually helped start. We didn't plan on starting a youth group, but we did. And then uh, we've been working with university ministry mainly, starting university groups connected to local churches throughout Sweden that will reach people on campus who have a, a chance really to press reset. If you have old Nintendo, you remember that button, guys, reset. Reset, start over, and that's what people do when they go to the university in Stockholm and in Sweden. So when people do that, they not only do that on their education, they do that on their faith as well. It's very true. And so we're looking to start a new missions movement, truly, out of these university campuses. The lower right-hand corner, you'll see that's uh, one of our university ministries, Carl Stodd in the lower left-hand corner. I'm playing guitar with some friends who go into, into bars and start up conversations and I get to do that as well. It's a blessing to be able to do that. Uh, my heart is for people who don't, who are not necessarily connected to the church community. Not necessarily, I mean, they're not connected at all. They don't even care about church, don't care about Jesus. I love going and meeting those people. I love that. Uh, we go on and you see there's a, we've hosted a lot of mission teams. That's just one of them on the left-hand middle there. And then the upper left-hand corner, you'll see that's our church plant out of our apartment. Uh, we notice that all the people in our apartment building don't care at all about God or Jesus or church. No matter how awesome it is, no matter how much it attracts 
people, by our programs, and how awesome. There's just hundreds of thousands, millions of people in Sweden who don't care. So that means that we have to go out to them. So thank you as a church. You've been sending us for the last uh, nine years for us to go out and to meet people where they're at. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So the stories that you'll hear and this what you see up here, you are sharing in that. Please understand that. That's not a standalone, uh, you know, solo, whatever. That is us together are doing this. Uh, if you look in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see a huge head. His name's Edward. Uh, don't let him know that I'm calling him this huge head. Uh, he's the head of the head. <laughs> he's the chief. He's the youth department leader, let's call him that, of Sweden. And to the left of that giant head, we're back to that, is my wife, Katya. She sits on the youth board helping to pioneer this university work, which they didn't have, but now they do have because you sent us. I once again say, thank you for sending us. All these things wouldn't have happened had it not been for people and a church like this. Um, moving on, I want to talk about the Bible. Is that all right? I have your permission? Yes. Uh, okay, two of you said yes. The rest of you are like, eh. Something's going to happen anyway, so might as well. I'm cool with it. Just, just, just go. All right, well, we're going there, everybody. Uh, the Bible is a book. It is about mission. It is a book of how God comes into our lives. God actively is reaching out into us. He's, he's doing what he can to come as close to our hearts as possible so that we have a choice to either accept what he's done for us, that Jesus died for us, and I'll speak like that here at a church community, just openly, Jesus Christ died for the world. He died for every individual in it, no matter what your social class is, how much you make, whatever you might think that excludes you from this group, wipe it off. It's not true. You have a place in God's kingdom. Okay, just to start there. So that's where we're at. This Bible tells us in Genesis 3 that God came into the world and he said, where are you, Adam and Eve? He was actively looking for them. He didn't just create Adam and Eve in the beginning of the Bible. He wanted to be close to them. He wanted to be near them. He wanted to see them eye to eye. And that's one of the greatest connections that we could have with our neighbors, with our family, with anybody else. And you know what, guys? I know it when I'm not giving my eyes to my kids. They know it, too. My son, Max, he, he talks a lot. He does. So he'll come in and he'll ask a million questions within the matter of 30 seconds, literally. <laughs> and and I'll, I will be continue doing what I'm doing and yes, yes, yes. And he'll grab my head and go, no, look at me. Look at, and he'll have me looking like straight in his face, no matter what kind of breath he has. <laughs> he wants my eyes. And you know what? The world wants to have your eyes connecting with theirs. When I say the world, I talk about people. The people who are around you, your friends, your coworkers, your family, the people who, who you see on a regular basis. They want to see you. They don't want to see the shadow of you. They don't just want to hear of the wake of you. They want to see you because you have the greatest opportunity to reach out to those people. But we have a problem. There's, a, there's this kind of something that has happened in our society where we feel unused. We feel like we're unusable, really more so. 
uh, we're going to go to the Bible now in Romans chapter 8. And in Romans, this book that we may have referenced, um, not a million times, let's say 15,000 times in our lives, we might have heard about this book, a letter that Paul, a great missionary from the Bible, he wrote to the churches that he planted or that he was hoping to go in to meet with. And here in Romans, Paul is working very hard to raise the perspective of the Romans to understand that they are not second-class believers in Christ. You see, the Jewish believers felt that they were a little bit above them, and, the, and all the Gentiles, the people who were not Jewish, but they believed in God, they believed in Jesus Christ, that he died for them, they set, they set themselves on a lower place. Instead, of, instead, what Paul is doing is he's raising them to let them know, you are on a level playing field. You can stand toe-to-toe with anybody in the world. It's hard to swallow sometimes because many times our feelings and our worth gets tied into what we do and what we have, and then it's a sliding scale. But you know what? That's not true. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, he builds arguments. That's how Paul works. Then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his, his glory. So that means this, that if we share in understanding that our lives are dead and they're raised up with what Christ has done, then we receive the same thing that Christ received. Jesus Christ is Lord above all. Yes, that is absolutely true. God wants us to understand that we are not slaves. We're not f- just friends of God, but we are brothers and sisters of Christ and we're sons and daughters of our Father God. There's different times of our lives that we can feel like slaves, like, I'm doing all things as though I'm doing them for Christ. You ever ever have a day like that? It's this Bible Bible passage that haunts me some days where I'm like, I'm doing something I absolutely hate. You ever have those moments? Come on, we all have. At those moments, it's great to, to allow the Bible to correct our attitudes. It's great to allow God to speak into our lives, even though we don't like it, if we're honest. Slaves, not just friends, but brothers and sisters. We need to raise our understanding, although we may have counted ourselves out, that we are on that same opportunity of sharing who God is with other people. You might have compared yourself to somebody else. That never works, does it? It just doesn't. Uh, My friend Tim, my friend and boss, Tim Sutherland, He challenged me one day, and I'm a person who is very type A in many ways. I will keep a list, and uh, and then I'll check off the things in my list that I have to do, and then I feel complete. If you're one of those people who has ever colored in every single frame in a coloring book, yeah, that's us. I smell my own here. So this is how it works. He said, we're going to take a trip in faith. We're going to find a a city in Sweden, and we're going to go there, Phil. And I said, why? He said, we want to find somewhere where they might need to hear that God still sees them. God wants to encourage them. It's the same message that I'm sharing with you guys today. So I found a city. It's called Kiruna. Kiruna is north of the Arctic Circle. So if you know where Sweden is, Sweden is north, 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 Europe. And then as you go farther, it's it's about as long as California. And there's a vast difference from north to southern well, push California up into Canada, and you start to get to understand. We go into a mountainous region, and we go into permafrost. We go into 
reindeer herding areas. And that's where we went. Kiruna has reindeer herders. Santa land, right? So as we went up there, it took about, uh, it was a crazy, crazy trip just trying to get there. The next day we woke up very haggard, like, all right, taking this trip in faith. God, guide our feet. So in the city of 20,000, we decided we're going to walk around this city. We're going to meet people. And we're going to see where God leads us to. So we start walking around the city and literally around this com compact city. And uh, the first person that we met was a dog named Elvis. What does that do for your faith? Because mine was body slammed at that moment. There was nothing left, everybody. I mean, just, all right, Tim, we came up here through all that that we did the last few days. Elvis, all right. So I was this man of faith walking around going, prove me wrong, God, but my way of keeping a list and having things scheduled would have worked out a lot better. The night before, I had received a text message of somebody in Kiranak. All the way up to that point, we didn't have any contact with anybody. I got a text message the night before from a lady named Marie. Now, Marie, she texted and said, we have a church. It was 12, and we experienced the church split. Can you imagine? Six people now left in a church, and the other six didn't like what you were doing. That kind of crushes you. It makes you feel quite unusable. I'll let you know that. So as we walked around the city, Tim had something in him, and it's the weirdest thing, and it was, I want to meet the reindeer herding political party office. Sounds odd, right? So we go up, and I said, okay, Tim, we're just, we're walking in faith. That's great. Let's go up there. Uh, he stands in front of the office, says, take a picture of me, Phil. I'm saying to myself, I don't even know why we're here. That's fine. Let's go. He wants to go up into the office. We walk up three flights of stairs. And if you know what that feels like, it is every step is plodding. And it is, I'm taking a step in faith. Oh, I'm taking a step in faith. I'm taking a step in faith. It's not this massive snap your fingers and then everything happens. There's none of those moments, right? And yes, I was being very careful as I walked backwards because... <laughs> I definitely would have fell, fallen, half fallen. So as we go up those three flights of stairs, I open the door for Tim. Tim walks through, and I had to say it out loud. Tim, I have no idea what we're doing here. Thank you, leader, for leading me in faith, but I'm not buying this. And out walks a lady. As she walks out, she turns around and looks at me, and she says, Phil, this was Marie who texted me the night before, who I had never met before. She was the second person, if you count dogs as people, which most of us do. I know you. I know you. Uh, she was the second person that I met in Kiruna, a city of 20,000 people, who was the head of the church plant that experienced the church split. Because of your support, because of the encouragement, because of uh, us walking alongside of them, that church is running 100 people in northern Sweden, above the Arctic Circle. That's awesome. <laughs> Guys, yes, listen, there's no applause sign or anything. There's no like, okay, this is the time. This is the cue that we clap. This is because we're thankful that God will work in any situation, wherever we're at, wherever we're daring to go. That Holy Spirit will open up new doors. He did, up there, where there are reindeer. 
It's crazy, trust me. And Marie and her husband, they're reindeer herders. <laughs> you, can't, you can't make this stuff up. It was God who was in it the whole time. We're sitting across having lunch. She's bawling her eyes out that we're there to encourage them without having to pay for us to come, without anything else. We just said, we're coming. The reason why we were able to be there, and trust me, us, me and my boss, we were crushed. We were amazed. God works in these ways still as men of faith, right? So we're sitting there and just saying, okay, God, through this, there will be a, there's going to be something that happens, and we were expectant. It's important for you to be expectant for your family, for your friends, for your neighbors. Don't count yourselves out. Also for your own life, wherever God is leading you. And I want to point out to the Bible, there's a, there's a couple different areas that we want to go to because when you feel that you're unusable, you look at the um, uh, situations and you might call them impossible. You look at those impossible situations and then further, you'll say that there's unreached people there. We're never going to have an opportunity to reach them. Why? Because all these things are impossible. Why? Because I'm unusable. Leave that for them. They get it. I don't. Everyone is on the same playing field, toe-to-toe, eye-to-eye. Let's move on. We're looking at different situations here in the Bible where we realize that the Holy Spirit, and I want to share a quote with you, it's this, the Holy Spirit is equally efficient in Bible Belt regions, areas of secularism, in places of chains, and in lands of sword threats. We're going to go quick through these, so stick with me, all right? In Jerusalem, if you have that, that would be great, Christy. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. It's awesome when you get to be around other people, isn't it? And you're all living for God together. You get to know other people who have. They're sharing in the same faith that you are, like here. Thank God for this. The Holy Spirit will work here and is at work here, and I, th- I thank God for that opportunity to be here with you today. Antioch, the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Many times we can get caught into saying, well, because there's so many people who are going there to a church community or to a certain place, that God is working more there than he is wherever I'm at. It's comparison, right? Let's go on. In areas of secularism, Athens, some of the people became followers of Paul and believed Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. Can you say Areopagus? Thank you so much. It hurts. So when you think about this, Areopagus, it was this place where people would share their public speeches. They would share new ideas, and then there would be a judgment seat of people who would then decide if it was right or not. Now, what we end up with here is Dionysius. He was a member of that leadership council. He left the council and decided, I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow whatever this is. Dionysius was named after the Greek god of wine. It's like you named your kid Jack Daniels. (laughs) Do you get it? Jim Beam. He was born basically under a bad sign. Paul said, anyone who wants to follow Christ, come with me. And so Dionysius became uh, the first bishop of, uh, of Athens, which is amazing to think about that. His name was now going to mean something else. Maybe you've been known for something. Your name has been known for something. 
and, and you have felt like you are lesser of a person because of your experiences in the past, know that you are restored in Christ to a level that other people cannot quite comprehend only because God is the one who comprehends entirely. You are my son and daughter. You are welcome. You are more than a slave, more than a friend. You are family. That's how God works. He restores. He doesn't just tell you, you're doing things bad, you're doing things wrong. That's not him. He is, you are doing things wrong. Come here, let me help you. Let me walk with you. That's, that's our Lord and Savior. Moving on, chains. After they had been severely flogged, that's Paul and Silas, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened the seat in their feet in stocks. That means they weren't just put on the outer cell, they were put in the middle of the jail, and then clamped in so that they wouldn't go anywhere. That, so if, if that was me, I might be a little bit fearful. Paul and Silas, they started to sing. That's awesome. Started to sing. And they didn't care what anybody thought around them. That's amazing because the Holy Spirit is equally efficient in Bible Belt regions, secularism, and when you're in chains. It's also efficient at points of death. King Herod had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword, and the Holy Spirit was there. As hard as it is to comprehend, God was there comforting James as he was being obedient to Christ rather than to an empty king. That's the God that we serve. Now, in Sweden, we can have these opportunities, at least ourselves in Sweden, I can speak to that, where things are difficult. We can feel unusable. And like I told you that story, I felt quite unusable in Kiruna. But God counted us worthy of reaching out to other people. Now, look around you. Not here. <laughs> Maybe not right here. But think about your neighbors. Think about those people that are all around you. And I'm going to tell you a story about a guy named Anders. And the way that I got to know Andish was through my dog, Yoda. He's the cutest little guy you ever met in your life. He's not yippy. He's a quiet dog. I'm a big dog person. I like labs who will basically help thieves steal whatever they want to from your home because they're just happy that somebody's home. You know, that's labs. This dog is something else. And I got to meet this whole cut of people that we haven't had an opportunity to really meet. It's 40 to 60-year-old Swedes. And most of them do have dogs. So as we walked around, we had an instant bridge. This dog became the bridge. Food is a bridge. Did you know that? You serve food, people come from all different wherever, and they come to the food. I love that about even neighborhood get-togethers where you have an opportunity, block parties, whatever you can do. Yoda was our block, moving block party. So we'd get to know a lot of different people, and it takes a while to get to know Swedish people. Six months to a year before you start to really share and get to know them. Um, Yoda was a bridge for me to get to know Anders. Anders, uh, his guy who loves music, he was very interested in different bands, and uh, he was going into a concert as he was walking past our apartment building on his way to the train station, which is right there next to our apartment building. Uh, he walks, he walks past us and he goes, hey, I'm going to go see a concert. It's going to be awesome. As he raises his hands at the corner of his, uh, off the sleeve of his T-shirt, he had this little plug. And I said, Anders, 
at this point in our relationship, I felt I could ask, what's that? And he said, that, that's my cancer. Yeah. I'm leaving my wife. Uh, I'm going after my girlfriend from 35 years ago. I found her on the internet, so we're going to get back together. 35 years ago, right? My two kids, they're going to go with uh, their mom, and they're going to live with her. And uh, I, I want to be happy for the last year that I have left. And my little dog, that Yoda and Lizzie, thin Lizzie, little tiny chihuahua, they got to know each other, so she's going to go with the mom also. And I said at this moment, I think now's a great time that I can break through that barrier and ask, hey, can we get together and have coffee? It takes a while to get to that point, everybody. It's not just, hey, you want to have coffee? People will be freaked out, and they'll run the opposite direction. You've got to earn your way into their life and let them know that I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to be your friend, regardless of what you believe in. That's very important. It's good for us to be together with other people who are believers, but also there's an opportunity for evangelism that's going to happen outside of meeting only Christians. You follow me? I know you do. So Yoda, so we sit down and uh, we're at coffee, and I said to Andush, I had a crazy week the week before, okay? But nothing like what this guy was going through. So I figured out, okay, I'm gonna, I got a story I'm going to tell. You can plan these things when you meet people also. But uh, the story I wanted to tell was there was a, and I had to frame it in a way that he would understand because he has no Bible knowledge. He's never been to church. He's heard the name of Jesus only through swearing. So I had to figure this out, right? Contextualize. It's very important. Um, if you go to an auto parts store, you contextualize. You have to figure out the auto parts and you have to know the part. So as I'm speaking with him, I said, there's a boat. There's a bunch of guys on the boat. They were called disciples because they were following a teacher. Jesus. Jesus was asleep in the boat. As crazy as it sounds, the boat was slamming up and down in the waves that were going on all around. The disciples were freaking out. And Jesus finally woke up after they woke him up. And uh, he stands up and he says with one word, silence, and everything goes calm. Andush, that's what I, I asked that that would happen in my life of Jesus this last week. I think this is something that you could ask of him also. He looked at me and he said, I've never heard that story before. And then he shared that he had never gone to church. His parents were atheists. They didn't care. Sports was their faith. Nothing wrong with sports. But sports had supplanted any opportunity for an unseen God to have any root or voice into his life. You've given me a lot to think about, Phil. We'll talk later. Through texting, I just continued to have that relationship because he moved in with that lady. I don't know what the fruit will be, everybody, but I wanted to be obedient at least on that. And that leads us to this next idea. Allow the Holy Spirit to propel you to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to neighbors and to nations. You never know who your, nation, who your neighbors are. They might be from other nations. It's reverse missions, everybody. We have a great opportunity to reach the world right here. I know that on the university campus, absolutely. And here, absolutely. There's a couple more Bible verses that I want to share with you today. One is from Jonah, or Bible passages, really. It's, we'll just read it together. You know the story of Jonah? He was going one way. He decided, as God said, go this way. Jonah said, I'm going to go the opposite direction. The sea was getting rougher and rougher as he was on a boat, avoiding God. 
So the people on the boat asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Because they figured it out that it was Jonah and something going on with Jonah. Uh, Pick me up, throw me out into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. Isn't that cool? They tried to preserve him as best as they could. They didn't believe in any god like what Jonah did. They believed in their own pagan gods, but they were still trying to be nice, good people. Sweden's full of nice, good people, everybody. They just don't know Christ. Then they cried out to the... Then, oh, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord. Look, it says they, the people on the boat. Those who didn't believe started to cry out to the Lord. Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord. You see, when somebody who was going in the opposite direction of God then corrected their course and chose to live for God, a whole boatload of people chose to start living for God because God was going to be glorified no matter what. Attention was going to be brought to God. That's what glorified means. Attention was going to be brought to who God is no matter what Jonah's actions. It just so happened to be that all these people on the boat chose to follow Jonah's God. They saw the power that there was. They saw that Jonah was finally being obedient to something, somebody who was totally relentless. And then this brings us back to, Rome, to Romans. See, you might be walking or running in the opposite direction of God. I don't know your story today. You might be running in the opposite direction of God. This message is for you today. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, anyone who believes in Jesus. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For the same Lord is Lord of all, richly blesses all who call on him. All who call on him. That's everybody. It goes on, though, this passage, and we didn't talk about this before, but this is where it leads to. If you choose to become usable. Marie felt unusable. Andersh didn't even know that he could be used by God. That's why we go. That's why you send us, and we've been so blessed to go. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. It's not about your shoes or your feet. It's about, thank God, somebody was sent to tell us about how our souls could become unburdened, how this guilt could shed off of our bodies, and that we could know that we are whole, that we are not second class, we are, per- we are people on the same level with everybody else who believes in who Jesus is because God has counted us worthy. Nobody can take that away from you. But he restores to you the name that will be known throughout decades as you change your course and your direction. Thank you for sending us to Sweden because unusable people are realizing that they're usable impossible situations in a greatly secularized nation. There's a lot of Swedish pastors who've realized there's new things that are possible because you've sent us to show them just a few different things. Beyond that, the unreached, that 98% or in Stockholm, 99%.
there's a parable that talks about how uh, the 99 were left, 99 sheep were left, and to go for the one. Stockholm is you leave the 1%, that safety of circling the wagons and being sure that we're all safe as Christians together here on earth. We have got to get out of our shell and go to the 99. It's a courage thing also. And the Holy Spirit provides all that we need, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting us. We work together across the globe because the Holy Spirit is equally efficient in Bible Belt regions, areas of secularism, areas of chains, and even areas of death. And I thank you for sharing in this with us.